0: happy monday everybody welcome to the college game time podcast i am your host trey smith we are the fastest growing show for the american athletic conference we had a crazy on 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 one hand disappointing and on another hand exciting week two of football particularly in the aac um ah there there were some frustrations but there were some bright spots and one of the things to keep in mind especially in these early non-conference this early non-conference time where you start looking at other g5 conferences and how they're performing versus how the aac is performing a lot of people kind of i don't know if i should say a lot of people but there seems to be a tone or or feel right now from some fans of the american that the sky is falling the world is ending The conference sucks and there's no hope. And the thing you have to keep in mind is at the end of the day, when it comes to New Year's six bids and it comes to playoff bids in the future, when that 12-team format with the 6-6 model comes into play, is really what you need to be the best over all the other G5s is your top-tier teams. And honestly, right now, I still feel like the top tier teams in the American are better than the top tier teams in the other G5s. Um, Now, if we want to talk top to bottom, conference for conference, listen, I don't have an argument for you right now. However, I haven't really been saying that would be the case right now, especially as it pertains to a lot of the incoming schools. I've been saying you're going to have to give them time. Give them time. Time, time with this new level of exposure, time with the new increased revenue, which those shares start going up after a couple of years. In other words, let the new resources take root. And I know nobody wants to be patient nowadays. I know everybody wants things to happen right now, but here's the thing. As long as you can hold on to your top tier teams to, to continue to represent for the conference come the end of the year, while those new schools build their profile up, like you're not in a bad spot. So anyways, we're going to go through the full lineup like we did last Monday, talking about each of the games, each of the teams. I'm going to try and go quick, just a little just a little quick hitter for each team, each game, and as far as what I saw over the weekend and what my my take is in regards uh, to each individual team. But I wanted to give you kind of my overview take of the conference. Listen, it was tough. I mean, you lose what it was—what were we, five and nine or five, you know, five and eight or something like that over the weekend. That's not good. I mean, like, there's no arguing that. But I think if you look at the top tier teams and how they performed, and even maybe a surprise team, we're gonna talk about on this show. Uh, this, this particular episode. So before I get into it, you know what to do. If you're watching on YouTube, like subscribe, share it with a friend, comment at the end. Um, if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please give it a five-star rating, whether you're on Spotify or whether you're on Apple, Spotify numbers started going up last week. Um, so I don't, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's the same people choosing a different platform or if that's new people coming in the, but the numbers are going up. Um, Apple last week stayed pretty consistent. So I don't know. We're growing though. And that's a positive thing. So I just, if you're on one of those platforms, please follow it, subscribe to it, uh, leave it a good review. I would greatly appreciate it. Well, let's get to it. So I'm going to start right out of the gate with UTSA. I said, this was a bounce back week for them. Um, Here's the thing. Offensively, UTSA is going to have to figure things out um, in order to be a contender in this conference. Back-to-back weeks where the offense has felt a little lackluster. Um, Frank Harris went down, thought he was injured. I thought it was bad. Watching him limp off and just knowing what he's gone through over the offseason. But man, that dude's tough. He refused the cart. Uh, came back in and I was like, oh my goodness, they're going to let this guy play on one leg. And I even put it on Twitter. I was like, is is Frank Harris on one leg better than every other quarterback on the roster on two legs? But, It was a gutsy, gritty performance. In the end, UTSA did what they needed to do to beat that pesky Texas State team. I think Texas State's gonna be really good. Um, I think they are really good, and I think they have a chance to win a lot of games this season. Obviously, they upset Baylor in week one, and Baylor came back and almost beat Utah. So how good is Texas State? I don't know. How good is UTSA? I don't know. What I do know, though after two weeks of watching UTSA football, is the defense is locked in. They're doing what they need to do. They're much improved from a season ago. And quite frankly, when your defense is playing the way UTSA's defense is playing, if they sustain that over the course of the season, then the Roadrunners are gonna be in every game. That's just the bottom line. Now, my critique is figure out things offensively. Don't know what that is. Don't know, I don't know. I don't know if it's the run game they need to get going. I don't know if it's in the passing game. Um, But there is a lot of, I mean, you know, it's a lot of like Frank Harris just chucking it up there and guys making plays on the ball. Um, And I don't know how sustainable that is through, you know, a full season. But, uh, man, gutsy, gritty win for UTSA. Um, And now they've they've got to get ready for, I think, Army this week. That's a big game, too. Okay, they they can't overlook it. It's it's a little bit of a new look army. It's a lot of the same, a lot of the same army. But you know, I talked about it last week. Their offense is a little bit more spread out. Um, but you need to win this game if you're UTSA, uh, especially with the Tennessee game following that. But keeping it moving, we've got ECU. Man, speaking of offensively having to figure it out, I don't know what ECU is going to do. I don't know if you know what's going on at the quarterback position is it be are they not putting mason garcia in good positions to make plays and to do what he does well it seems like while i was watching that game now when it got delayed i kind of got wrapped up in the vortex of the 10 other games that were on but while i was locked into that one it seemed like their bright spots offensively were when mason garcia was able to make some plays uh with his legs now i don't know if those were like sustainable you know Hey, these you know we can continue to put him in positions to do this, or if it was him just taking a busted play and making something out of nothing, I still love this de- this defensive front seven for ECU. But man, it it becomes very difficult when it's you just feel like you're getting nothing out of your offense, and so I don't know if if are they going to make a change at quarterback, are they going to adjust what they're doing schematically. That's the big question mark for me right now, and really what ECU is able to do throughout the course of the season, and it's not getting any easier for them. I mean, they've got App State coming up, they've got Rice coming up, and yes, Rice is a team you can't overlook anymore. And I'm gonna talk more about them later on, but I don't know, ECU fans, how are we feeling? Because the the offense through the first two weeks, you know, week one I chalked it up it's Michigan, but when you come out and look, just almost the same. Against Marshall and listen, I'm not taking anything away from Marshall. Marshall's a great team, but they're not Michigan. Kind of starts to worry. Uh, Navy back in action, got a much needed win, much needed shutout. In fact, I don't know how many of you actually watched the game, but a lot of those passing wrinkles that we heard about all off season that um, didn't really see much versus Notre Dame. And the few times they did try to pass the ball, it was receivers running into each other and all that. Well. It looks like those were more on display uh, against Wagner. I think it was who they were playing. Uh, I'm still not expecting a whole lot from this team, but they do have a Thursday night matchup with Memphis. Memphis, as I'm about to talk about, just needs to make sure they don't get caught in the trap this week. Uh, But yeah, it was a much improved Navy team from that week zero outing performance against Notre Dame. Of course, the level of competition they were against was different, but... I said, I'm not expecting much out of them, but I do think they're going to be a pesky team for opponents uh, as we get into conference play. Uh, Tulane, man, Michael Pratt was out, did not play. Backup came in, played his tail off. Um, Even with their backup quarterback, Tulane still looked like one of the top teams in the AAC. Um, I mean, For a lot of that game against Ole Miss, they were in control. I mean, outside of that first drive where Ole Miss just down the field, the defense adjusted, locked in. It was 17-10. For a good portion of the game then it was 17 17 you know the final score doesn't really tell the story of the game because it's not like Tulane was just playing from behind all afternoon I mean they were in control even with their backup and defensively they look good offensively they look good Playmakers all over the field I mean they were they were in control All Miss I mean that's an explosive offense that's going to be a really good team this year um and uh Man, that their play of the game for me was that 56-yard field goal they hit in the fourth quarter with like under two minutes to go. Um, if you didn't watch the game or you just saw the final score, basically it was 27-20, I think, at that point. It was a one-possession game fourth down and like six you're thinking Ole Miss might punt it but Lane Kiffin decided to go and put the dagger in the heart send his kicker out there if that kicker misses it Tulane has the ball excellent field position with a chance to go down and score which their offense was was cooking other than uh, a turnover or two uh they were cooking and um Anyways, he hits the field goal. And then I think on the next possession, Tulane gave up a defensive touchdown. You know, Ole Miss scored off a turnover and score ended up looking way worse than what it was. But listen, I need to know how serious this injury to Michael Pratt is before I, I can really determine how much noise Tulane makes. But that game does not change how I feel about them being one of the top teams in the league. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, moving on, Tulsa. Um, you know, they had some opportunities early. Um, in fact, they, they played Washington a lot tougher early in that game than I thought they, um, than the most would think they would I actually thought they would. That's why I don't want to say it that way. The most people probably thought they would. In fact, my expectation was one, can they cover, which I believe they did. They covered the spread. But my other one was, can they play them more competitively than what Boise State did? How, how do they compare to how Boise State played them. And, and I mean, honestly, it was about the same. Uh, granted Tulsa did not give up a 50 burger like Boise did, but I mean, it was still a 30 plus point game. Uh, Washington's good. <laughs> I mean, we know that, but Tulsa was in position to keep that game more competitive than what it ended up being. They did shoot themselves in the foot a couple times. Um, that's to be expected though, when you're on the road in that type of environment against that good of a team, but, um, They got to regroup because they've got OU next. And uh, I still think Tulsa can make some noise in conference play. I don't know exactly what I mean with that. I don't know if that's a bowl eligible noise. Uh, They do have an explosive offense. They were playing again with their backup quarterback, Cardell Williams. Not sure what the latest is on Braylon Braxton, the starting quarterback, but... That, that was that was the Tulsa. In fact, I think Tulsa had their third string quarterback in at one point in the game. It was on Pac-12 Network, so I was trying to get it on this YouTube feed. I don't get Pac-12 Network. And so it kept going in and out on me. But it did seem like their third stringer was in uh, for a portion of that game as well. Uh, okay, UNT. Oh. Okay, here's, and I put this on Twitter. Here's my week two take on UNT and I'm I'm holding back a little bit because I don't want to go full on what I think about this team because I want to be fair. So I want to give it a couple more weeks to see. But as of right now, this team feels like the Cliff Kingsbury era at Texas Tech. Um, which uh, that's not a compliment when I say that, right? I know a lot of people immediately associate that era with, oh, like Pat Mahomes and all that. Yeah, but that's also in the era when Texas Tech was losing games, you know, 67 to 58. Um, Where is the defense? Where is the pride? Where is the accountability? Where are the basic fundamentals? I said I was gonna hold back, so I'm going to. Um, But I I might unleash on this team if things don't seem to improve uh, they lost to FIU a game that they should not have lost uh, obviously the story of the one of the stories of the game will be the quarterback change it sounds like that their their they're backup comes in took care of business but like offensively I don't think that will be an issue with North Texas especially with their head coach I mean I think offensively they're going to be an explosive offense that can put points on the board but you know defensively man they've got some serious serious issues and and then just the way the game ended guys i mean they didn't cover the punt and let the clock run out just there there's some other i'm gonna hold back on that because there's some other things it's starting to remind me of but i don't want to jump to those conclusions this early so i'll leave unt at that uh memphis memphis arkansas state man Memphis took care of business. I've been saying it, man. That defense, I think is going to be the best in the conference one of the best in the conference and has the potential to be one of the best in the country I think they for sure have one of the best back ends one of the best secondaries in all of college football and it's really going to come down to how does that front seven play once they get against tougher competition if they can stop the run that Memphis defense is going to be a force this year offensively they've got all the ingredients they've got the firepower Seth Hennigan looks like he is in his bag right now but again how does it all look against tougher competition and as i've been saying can they sustain it over the course of a full season big game this week on thursday it's the conference opener it's against navy and as i just said a couple minutes ago they better not get caught in the trap because after navy they've got missouri and boise two games i think memphis can win But you don't want to overlook this Thursday night matchup against kind of a lowly Navy team. Obviously, they're going to bring a different-looking offense. It's going to be different from what you've been seeing defensively. That can give defenses and teams um, um, a fit to prepare for. Not only that, it's a short week, so you don't have as much time to prepare for it. That can be advantageous to Navy. Player for player, Memphis' is head and shoulders above them. But just weirder things have happened, and... Navy's just not a team you want to have a Thursday night matchup with, just because of that that um, short window of preparation for a system and an offense that you don't see any other time throughout the year. But man, Memphis right now they're they're probably my top team. I, I hate doing this. Someone had asked me on Twitter about who do I have after week two being in the championship. Like I hate doing stuff like that this early because the truth is Memphis hasn't played any tough competition yet but man I, I take care of business thursday and then get your mind right you got you got a longer preparation window for missouri and i think they win that game smu um again smu played ou very tough uh, similar to tulane and Ole miss i think the biggest difference between those two games and i watched both of those games is that SMU was playing from behind. They were playing catch-up the whole game, and they just couldn't quite catch up. Um, um, Costly, costly turnover in the third quarter. They were on a drive. I think, was it Knighton that broke the runoff? Um, Running into OU territory. SMU was getting some momentum going offensively. It was a 14-3 game at that point and OU defender punches the ball out. OU jumps on it, turnover on downs. Now, in the fourth quarter, SMU still made it a three-point game. They, 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 they got the stop defensively, came down, scored, um, got the two-point conversion. So it was 14-11 uh, pretty early in the fourth quarter, but then it was the OU show from there. And I think it ended up being 28-11 to 11 or something like that. But again, SMU is a team. As I said last week, if they can put together four quarters of football, they got a shot this year. They're going to be very, very tough down the stretch. They've just got to put it all together for four quarters. Clean it up. Don't turn the ball over. Play four steady, solid quarters of football, and they're going to be a tough out. And, and they may very well make it all the way to that American Athletic Conference Championship game, but we'll see. Still a lot of season left to be played. Uh, FAU, you know, I actually said on Friday, this, this might be a bit of a trap game for FAU, or maybe I said it last Tuesday. I don't remember just because the way Clemson had played against Duke. I said, man, if I'm FAU, I'm looking at this Clemson team thinking "Mm, we might could win this. Then you overlook an Ohio team who Ohio is good. <laughs> like, Ohio is a good football team. I still feel like FAU should have won that game, but Ohio is good, so I'm not taking anything away from them. That's a solid program. 10-win team a season ago, got a really good quarterback. And then the game, man, it was just a It was a sloppy game. It was the, the field conditions were wet. Um, neither team was really, like, clicking offensively. FAU got a big defensive touchdown early in the game. I feel like the turning point or what ended up being sort of the deciding factor in that ball game was Ohio's drive just before halftime when they were able to get a touchdown with like 21 seconds left or something like that. Uh, I thought if FAU could have held strong on that drive, they, that, that could have been the difference in them winning the game or not. Um, but it is what it is, man. Got to regroup, get ready for Clemson, and then, and then the rest of your season after that. So uh, Charlotte, man, big game. We talked about this one last week. Biff Pogey returning to his old stomping grounds. A lot of his players on his team are from the DMV, particularly Maryland. And uh, man, they were on national TV in primetime on NBC, and they came out firing. Jumped out to a 14-0 lead got a defensive touchdown. I mean, it was like, boom, boom. They just punched Maryland in the mouth. Um, But as I say, when I'm referencing basketball, at some point, you got to settle in and play basketball. You know, you have teams, they jump out to a 20-point lead in the first five minutes of a game, and it's like, okay, but eventually we got to settle in and play basketball, and at that point, who's going to be the better team? And that's kind of what happened was, is once they settled in and had to play football, Maryland was just too much for Charlotte. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. Charlotte put up a fight. Uh, Biff Pogey did emphasize, though, the importance of their upcoming game against Georgia State, I think it is, uh, because the, then after that, it's Florida. And and you don't want to end up one and three going into conference play. And so I think that um, there's going to be a lot of refocus happening this week for Charlotte in uh, getting ready for... Uh, Saturday's matchup, but man, it was, it was fun though. It was fun though for a half, man. Seeing them on prime time, NBC putting up a fight. Uh, but then Maryland did in the second half really started to run away with it. Uh, then we have temple, (sighs) temple Rutgers, man. My gosh, I'm, I'm not feeling so great about my temple dark horse, you know, turnaround season. I thought they would have, um still a lot of games, still a lot of games left to be played. They've got plenty of time to figure it out. But man, that game against Rutgers felt like death by a thousand cuts. It's like, okay, okay. It's like something would happen, but you're going, okay, Temple's still all right. They're still all right. They're still in it. They're still in it. They're still in it. They're still in it. They're still, it. They're still... Oh, no. They're not in it. They're not even close. Wow. They just got blown out. I mean, that's how it felt watching that game. So many opportunities to be in that game, just could never capitalize. And I don't know what to make of it. You know, I've been, I've been really hard on the offensive line play. Um, you know, EJ Warner struggled. Uh, just, like, something's not clicking right now offensively, and I hope they're able to get it figured out before conference play. And honestly, guys, man, Miami, they look tough. They look tough. And they're coming to town, I think, the week after this. So next weekend. But Temple fans, man, I know I've got a crew of y'all that listen. What are your thoughts? Let me know in the comments. Uh, And then finally, Rice. I saved this game for last on purpose. Guys, this Rice team, and I know this is going to sound like an overreaction, but they might be for real. I said it last week. The defense looked good for a half against the Longhorns offense. You saw what the Longhorn offense just did against the Bama defense. It was very similar. So Rice's defense played Texas about as good as Bama's defense played Texas. Then let's look at the Houston game. Rice's defense was lights out for three quarters. And then Houston just exploded in the fourth. But if this defense can play four quarters of football, which I believe the trajectory they're on, they will start to do so. They're going to be a team that you have to respect in conference play. Oh, and then you throw on the fact that their offense seemed to figure it out this week after being shut down by Texas in week one, they came out. Yeah. Their offense looked a lot better against Houston's defense than UTSA's offense did. JT Daniels throwing for over 400 yards. Luke McCaffrey just going off. They got away from him a little bit in the second half. They can run the ball. I mean, this looked like a whole new team offensively. So I sit here and go, okay, is Texas's defense? was that? Just, were they just that good? Or, or, or was Rice's offense just kind of in a funk and then they had to shake the cobwebs and make some adjustments, which they did. I'm telling you right now in week two, and this might be an overreaction, but if you look at Rice's schedule, go look at it right now and tell me they can't win the next five games and mess around and be six and one headed into Tulane. I mean, go look at it. And an interesting stat about Rice is, and this came from RJ Young, those of you who know who that is—he's actually a former YouTuber that ended up uh, uh, getting a deal with Fox Sports. He said there were, I think, eleven teams who played Power Five opponents in Week One and Week Two. Only three of those teams—two of the teams went two and zero, and one of team went one and one. Everyone else went zero and two. Colorado and Utah went two and zero. Rice went one and one. They lost to Texas, who, oh, by the way, Texas just beat Bama. And then they beat Houston. And then every other team, which I think were G5 teams, went 0-2. I'm giving Rice my respect now. And um, based off what I saw on Saturday, if that offense is firing like that and that defense can play four quarters, I mean, like I said, they played played a very good half against Texas. Played a very good three quarters against Houston. Now can they play four quarters with that offense playing the way they were playing? Guys, this is a team you're gonna need to respect in conference play. All right, that's it for today. That's your week one rundown. Hope you enjoyed it. Leave me something in the comments. What were your takeaways? Wait, I missed one, guys. And I'm so sorry. I got to scrolling Oh, you guys are going to kill me. Bulls fans, man, South Florida. I am so sorry. So, I do have some stuff here. So, so if you're a USF fan, um um this game kind of got caught in the vortex of a bunch of other games that were on, uh but I did catch the second half and uh, I felt like the play of that game against FAMU, which it seemed to be a, a back and forth game early one possession game for most of the game. And then there was a fourth and six play in the fourth quarter where Byron Brown uh, took a shot. I mean, it was like a 35, 40-yard strike. Uh, touchdown pass. Took a two-possession lead. And I felt like that was a much-needed win for Alex Golish. Um and as far as Golish is concerned right now, like he just needs to keep stacking positive momentum. Like last week was a great week for Bulls fans. You got the approval for the for the new stadium. You got the win, which you really needed just to break that ice coming off the disappointment to Western Kentucky. You got the win against FamU. I would argue it was a convincing win. Okay, maybe a little closer than you would like for, for your team to be early on, but pulled away at the end, won by multiple possessions. Um, you will have an angry Bama team coming into town this week. Um, and I think maybe you have rice next. Uh, I would have to double check that, which I just went on a whole rant about how I feel about rice. So here's the thing. If you're goalish, just keep stacking positive momentum, positive momentum, and see how many more wins you can put together. All right. Um, is bowl eligibility the goal in year one? I don't know. I don't know if that's fair to Golish. I mean, he's already done a lot of positive things. Um, I think you just got to continue to give him time to establish his culture and get his players in. I don't know. I don't know what the latest is on Gary Bohannon, but as I've said, Byron Brown being a freshman, Golish being new, like you, you almost just want to ride with the young guy that you know is going to be in the program for a few years. Um, and let him play through his struggles. And if the season starts to get ugly, let him play through it. Um, but I don't know, it's USF team. I'm still not quite sure what to make of them, and not sure how how good they're going to be as the season plays out. But I think if you could just keep stacking positive momentum. Um, and, and last week was a great week for Bulls fans. Bulls fans, my apologies. I was I was trying to do the Memphis game before them because they played before them, but on my list here, I've got USF first and I guess when I scrolled I just scrolled past it so I didn't mean any any disrespect there but uh yeah big win for the Bulls they're and one got their stadium approved so if you're if you're a USF fan uh watching or listening let me know what your thoughts are um is ball eligibility realistic this year or or is this like give goalish this season to just kind of kind of establishes culture, rebuild things and and you know any win from this point on, you know, it's a positive. All right. For real this time. That's it for today. Trey Smith College Game Time.